Today is March 30th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan, and I am back with a pro wrestling edition of the podcast. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you're wondering where the boxing talk is. Well, don't worry. Just head on over to the archives. I have the post-fight breakdown of David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant. And tomorrow, I'll be dropping a preview to Anthony Joshua versus Jermaine Franklin. But today is all about the biggest weekend in professional wrestling, the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania 39, live from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. If you're in WWE, you're calling it Hollywood. But like HBK and Triple H in 1997, I'm here to break it down. Let's get right into it. Earlier today, Stephen A. Smith was on ESPN on First Take, and he announced which matches will be on which night, because now for the fourth consecutive year, WWE has made WrestleMania a two-night event. This had a lot of mixed reactions originally. It first took place during COVID. Uh, there was no fans, so it was kind of a way to switch things up, but ever since then, they realized it's an opportunity to pack a stadium two nights in a row. So much money involved in that. I can't imagine them going back to one night anytime soon. Me personally, I've been to a few of these events and they run extremely long. So the two night event works better for me personally. Um, two shorter cards. It just, it just flows much more smoothly. And you have a whole weekend to look forward to instead of just one night. I personally enjoy the two night event. But Stephen A, um, along with CEO of WWE, Nick Khan, they unveiled which matches would be on which night. And a lot of people got confused by this because they thought it was the order of the matches. It was not the order of the matches. WWE later confirmed that. So when you see Austin Theory and Cena headlining night one, the reason they did that is because obviously everyone who watches ESPN isn't a WWE fan. So when they see names that they're familiar with, that might pique their interest. Like John Cena, when his name was in bold, um, people may assume that it's the main event. But WWE had announced previously on Raw that Austin Theory versus John Cena for the United States title will open night one on Saturday night, April 1st. This should be a great opener. John Cena hasn't been on a proper Mania match since I believe 2018, that was WrestleMania 34. That was against The Undertaker, where he was sitting in the crowd, was calling him out. Eventually, Undertaker shows up and squashes him. Great WrestleMania moment. I was there. Cloud was crowd was electric, and um, of course, he had that cinematic match during the pandemic era against Bray Wyatt. But that was more of a segment than a match. It wasn't really many wrestling moves in that at all. So I think this will be a great way to open it. I think uh, Austin Theory does have all the tools to become a major player. But like John Cena said in his promo, you ain't ready. I think a loss here would actually tell a better story than a win for Theory. Because if you lose this match, you start from the bottom, build yourself back up, and um, you still have plenty of time. This kid's still, I believe, 25 years old. That's extremely young in WWE years. So I can see him, I could see him beating Cena too, but... I don't know if that's really the right move right now. I don't think Theory is ready for that, but I could be wrong. The kid does have talent. Can't hate on that. He does get a good crowd reaction. He has switched it up ever since he failed to cash in his Money in the Bank contract. He became more aggressive. So we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm taking Cena here, assuming he sticks around for maybe a night or two. He doesn't have to stay 
too long. If he stays just for Raw, he can have an open challenge on Raw. Cena was famous for his United States title open challenges, was having great matches every single week. He can do that the next night and lose the title there and then go back to Hollywood and do his thing. But I think Cena gets the win here. Up next, and mind you, this isn't the match card, but this is how ESPN had it listed. So I'm just reading it in the order that they had. Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title. Excuse me, the SmackDown Women's title. Um, Rhea Ripley won the Royal Rumble. This match is kind of a callback to when Charlotte won the Rumble years ago and Rhea was the NXT champion. Rhea kind of did the uncharacteristic thing as the champion and challenged Charlotte back then. But Rhea was young and in over her head. That was kind of the story they told since then. This was three years ago. Since then, Rhea Ripley is a monster heel and one of the most dominant and interesting characters on WWE television. She is prime and ready to take that spot and to avenge her loss against Charlotte. Charlotte, to me, is the GOAT of women's wrestling, hands down. Um, her and Rhea, in their first match a few years back, had one of the best matches, not only at WrestleMania 36, but in the entire pandemic era. That was a classic match. It's a shame there was no crowd uh, in attendance to really make that match even better. But it was great. I expect another great match here with Rhea Ripley winning in convincing in convincing fashion. Um, she's got everything it takes, really, to lead the division. She wasn't ready three years ago, but she is ready now. Rhea Ripley wins on Saturday night. Up next, we have the Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I'll cut right to the chase. This needs to be the main event. There's rumors of Rhea and Charlotte being the main event. That's going to be a fantastic match, like I just said. But it just doesn't have that juice to it. It doesn't have a great build. The Usos versus KO and Sammy has been going on for a while. This bloodline story began when Reigns first joined up with Paul Heyman back in 2020. But Sammy entered the mix last April. So this has been unfolding for an entire year. A tag match hasn't main evented WrestleMania since WrestleMania 1. And there hasn't been a tag team storyline any harder than this since then. Give this the spotlight it deserves. KO and Sammy have been together since the independent days early on in their wrestling careers. They were in Ring of Honor together. They were in NXT together. They were on the main roster together. In fact, this isn't even their first WrestleMania tag match. They've tagged at WrestleMania 34 against Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. These guys are pretty much wrestling soulmates. Whether it's heel or face, whether it's teammates or enemies, they have undeniable chemistry. These guys are brothers, not by blood, but they're basically brothers and they're going against real-life twins. I like KO and Sammy to win here. The crowd should be on fire for this one. I dare somebody to follow this match. Go ahead, Triple H. Put this anywhere other than the main event. I dare you. Because the next match will fall flat. Don't be an idiot. There were many times in Triple H's career where he himself demanded he be the main event and it brought down the show. Think back to WrestleMania 25. The main event was Randy Orton versus Triple H. Great feud. The build to that was excellent. But you had to follow, not directly, but you had to follow later in the show one of the greatest matches, if not the 
greatest match of all time in Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. That wasn't the only time he made that mistake. Go back to WrestleMania 18. Triple H and Chris Jericho. Mediocre build. But again, it was for the title. So Triple H fought for, hey, we need to be the main event. Yeah, you shouldn't be the main event when you have to follow Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. So think about those four names I just mentioned. Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, The Rock. Triple H demanded he main event over those four guys on two separate occasions. Moronic decision. I'm not saying Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and The Usos are The Rock or Hulk Hogan or Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker, but they are the best story involved with Roman Reigns, of course. They are the best story you have going. Let it main event your show. You will not regret it. That's all I got to say to Triple H. Up next, we have a women's six-man tag. We have the tag champions, Becky Lynch and Lita, teaming up with Trish Stratus against Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, known as Damage Control. Uh, this one is a little weird. Becky has been feuding with them for a while. Lita recently joined and won the tag titles, which is cool. But then Trish was kind of just thrown into this. She honestly doesn't really belong here storyline-wise. So maybe they have something else planned for her. Bailey, Io, and Dakota need the win here. Especially Bailey. She's one of the best women ever. And that's no hyperbole. She is great. And doesn't really get enough credit, if you ask me. I think she needs to find a way to win here. They need to give her something big. I think she finds it. I hook her by crook. Team Bailey gets a W here. Up next, we have Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. Logan Paul... Uh, eliminated Rollins from the Rumble, then cost him the U.S. title in the Elimination Chamber match. He also left Rollins laying out a few times on Raw, knocked him out. I think Rollins gets the win here. The story has been kind of hit or miss, but I expect a super fun match here. Logan has over-delivered throughout this entire run. Rollins wins in a thriller match here and moves on to bigger and better things. Also on this card is one of my favorite matchups of the weekend. Father versus Son, Rey Mysterio, Versus Dominic Mysterio. This has been built for a very long time. Very slow build. And it's been a home run for me. Dominic joins the Judgment Day. A heel group. Back in September. And was slowly taking jabs at his dad. Things escalated on Thanksgiving. When Dominic shows up to Ray's house. With Rhea Ripley. WWE shot this segment. Not even on TV. Just like on YouTube. A segment where Dom comes to the house attacks his family, well, attacks his father in front of his mom, causes a whole scene, hurts his leg and things like that. Then again, months later on Christmas, Dom shows up again to attack. They end up calling the cops. Dominic gets arrested. And then this is leads to Dom hilariously saying, hey, I served hard time. He spent like a night in prison saying, I served hard time. They called him ex-con Dom. It's been a fantastic run for Dominic. He has been such a heat magnet, really getting one of the biggest reactions every time he opens his mouth. The crowd is all over him. So besides the tag title match, I can see this match being the loudest of the night. This has an added layer to it too, as Rey Mysterio is being inducted into the Hall of Fame Friday night. I personally expect some shenanigans during the ceremony. I heard people saying things like, that would tank the event. Give me a break. The WWE Hall of Fame is not that serious, not that serious at all. It is respected by the people that get inducted. I'm sure they're very proud of it. It's an honor for them. 
But come on, there's guys like Donald Trump and Drew Carey that are in it, for God's sakes. It's not as prestigious as you may think. Um, I remember, I think it was before WrestleMania 25, Ricky Steamboat took time during his Hall of Fame speech to address Chris Jericho. He was involved in a match against Jericho the following night, which was excellent, by the way. So let's not act like the WWE Hall of Fame is above a storyline segment. It can happen, and I totally expect it to happen. I expect Dominic to go up there and trash him, or at least Rey Mysterio to say, hey, my son is going to get his ass whooped tomorrow night at WrestleMania. And last and least of the night, you have the men's showcase tag match. Uh, you got Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. This is just a way to get people on the card. I get it. Get them a nice payday for all their hard work. But I personally don't care for one bit. I think Braun and Ricochet will probably get the win. But I will be rooting for the Street Profits. Give me five minutes and get me out of there. On to night two, which is Sunday. I will say WWE did a great job of balancing this card out. At least on paper, it looks fairly even. But I think Sunday has a slight edge. But that could just be my personal preference. The main event, Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes for the WWE Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship of the World. I haven't been this excited for a championship title match at WrestleMania probably since Kofi Mania at 35. Yeah, I would have to say Kofi Mania definitely was the last time I was I was excited for a title match. I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan. Um, what he's done to me is incredible from his run in WWE to leaving WWE, making himself an even bigger star in Ring of Honor, wrestling in Japan, joining the Bullet Club, which was the biggest faction by far at that time. Then he created his own pay-per-view called All In. Because Dave Meltzer, a wrestling writer, said he couldn't sell out a 10,000-seat arena in North America at all. Like, nobody besides WWE could do that, was what he was saying. And not only did Cody do it with the Young Bucks, but they sold it out in minutes. That pay-per-view helped create what is now known as AEW. Then, he goes to AEW. As an EVP, has a great run there for a couple of years, decides to leave and come back to WWE, keeping his name, his attire, his entire look, even his theme song, it's really unheard of. His dad, who was also an innovator, Dusty Rhodes, of course, would have been so proud of him. Um, he made his return last year at WrestleMania, ended up getting injured a few months later wrestles through the injury like a maniac, torn peck, comes back, wins the Rumble, and is now headlining one year later. Epic stuff for him. He said he was there in WWE to win the title. His dad never won. Dusty Rhodes won a WWF championship match, but he won it by disqualification. And of course, in storyline, the title cannot change hands on a disqualification. So that story alone is awesome. But then you add the personal layers into it. Paul Heyman, who was the manager of Roman Reigns, giving Cody Rhodes' dad a job at ECW when Dusty was dead broke. Cody said that gave his dad confidence to continue his career in other, in other venues, in other forms, not just in the ring, but behind the scenes. And then Dusty was one of the main guys to help NXT out behind the scenes. 
he helped groom Roman Reigns in NXT to be the next top guy. He saw Roman as being this big star. And Roman telling Cody, hey, me and your dad were close. We talked about everything. You know what he said about you? Nothing. He never brought you up. This was just great storytelling. Not to mention, if you want to go even further back, Cody Rhodes ending Roman Reigns' first title reign in WWE. People don't really talk about that. It hasn't been brought up yet. But he did. When Roman Reigns was a part of the Shield as a tag team champion, when the Shield was undefeated, Cody and his brother Dustin, with Dusty in their corner, became the tag team champions. Ended the Shield's reign. The evolution of both these characters, Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, since that time is night and day. Cody, now the American Nightmare. Roman, the Tribal Chief, over 900 days as champion. Hasn't been pinned or submitted since 2019. Are we kidding me? Are we kidding? This is insane. This has to be the best run ever. It, it has to be. It has to be the greatest championship run in the history of WWE and which is crazy because I couldn't stand Roman Reigns for a while I take that back when the shield started I loved Roman Reigns I thought the shield was incredible Roman as a single baby face was annoying and it's not because he was bad he was just pushed wrong his mic skills were bad in the ring he delivered he had good matches for sure but overall his character sucked couldn't stand him as the champion didn't think he was the face of the company. They were pushing it down our throats, pushing and pushing and pushing. It was wrong. Now, with this tribal chief character, we are truly witnessing someone that is all the way locked in. When he talks about God mode, there's some truth to that because he is hitting on all cylinders. Every promo he spits is fire. He doesn't wrestle very often, but when he wrestles, it's a banger. Going back to 2020, the feud started with Jey Uso, if you remember correctly. That's how the tribal chief became the tribal chief. He had to take out his own family. He had a classic with Jey Uso. He had a classic with Kevin Owens. Multiple great matches with Kevin Owens early on in this run. The matches with Daniel Bryan, the SmackDown match especially, was fantastic. The triple threat with Daniel Bryan and Edge at WrestleMania. The match with Cesaro at Backlash. The Rey Mysterio match. The Edge singles match. The John Cena match at SummerSlam. Like Roman Reigns had so many good matches during this run that people aren't talking about. The match against Finn Balor, regular Finn Balor, and Demon Finn Balor. The Brock Lesnar match at Crown Jewel kind of sucked, but Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam was amazing. Way better than it had any business of being. The match against Sami Zayn. The match against Rollins at the Rumble. The match against Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle. Like, even the match with Logan Paul was off the charts. This run will be talked about forever. Like Roman or not, he has cemented himself as one of the best to ever do it. And that's a conversation for another podcast. But Roman Reigns, over 900 days as champion, he's pretty close to 1,000. Does he get to 1,000? I mean, I could see it both ways here, but my money's on Cody Rhodes to end Roman's reign. How they get there, I do not know. There's so many ways they can go. Could he just beat him straight up? Or... Does Jey Uso finally turn on Roman? And I don't mean he has to interfere in the match, but he can do something subtly like take a weapon away from Paul Heyman or stop Solo Sokoa from entering the match. 
do something like that where he's not necessarily helping Cody Rhodes win, but he's not allowing Roman to cheat. I could see something like that happening. But then again, that could take away from Cody's win. So I kind of want Cody to just win on his own. And the only question is over or under three crossroads to beat Roman. Because whatever it takes to finally pin Roman, the guys have been pinned since 2019, remember. Whatever it takes to pin him is going to be extremely significant. Can't wait to see it. Either way, they can't really go wrong here. Roman is money. Cody is right there, though. Cody's a huge star. And I think it's finally his time to take the throne. Also on night two, we have Bianca Belair versus Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. This should be a great match. These are my two favorite women in WWE currently since Sasha Banks left. But this build has been atrocious. It's actually been non-existent. I love that Asuka is using that character she had in Japan with the face paint and stuff like that. She's a killer. But she hasn't really done anything to Bianca besides smile and like laugh at her. Like, what are we doing here? Give me a break. They deserve better than this. Either way, when the bell rings, these two will deliver in ring. That's for sure. If Asuka had been doing anything, I would expect her to win. But I'm really not sure because of the way this has been built. Bianca has been great as a champion. It's been about a year now. Hasn't gotten stale. So personally, I would stick with her. The only way Asuka wins is if they go all in with her as a vicious, psychopathic heel. Hopefully they do. And then if they do, they continue this feud for several months, maybe even go back and forth with the title. Like I said, these are my two favorites, so I'm here for it. Up next, you have the IC title match. It is Gunther versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus for the IC title. All I can say about this match is banger after banger after banger. This is going to rule. This will easily be a top three match of the weekend. Not just WrestleMania. This is an entire weekend of wrestling. Don't forget there's promotions all around the world making their presence felt during WrestleMania weekend. You have Impact and NJPW coming together for an event. You have Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor, which is a fantastic card. The legend Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to be on that card. Uh, Eddie Kingston's on that card. Claudio, formerly known as Cesaro, is on that card. Samoa Joe. Loaded card. There's wrestling everywhere this weekend. And there's a ton of good, there's a ton of great matchups. But this match right here will be one of the best on the planet. These guys only know one way of wrestling, and that is smash mouth. Hard hitting, physicality. This is going to be fun. Gunther and Sheamus alone had match of the year candidate last year at Clash at the Castle. You add Drew McIntyre in the mix, you have a certified banger. I cannot wait for this one. I would actually open the show with this and set the tone right for an epic night. Up next, talk about good matches. Edge versus Finn Balor. Not just Finn Balor, the demon Finn Balor in a Hell in a Cell. Balor turned on Edge back in June. The theme here kind of has been, in the Triple H era, long-term storytelling. This happened back in June when Judgment Day turned on Edge. Balor kicks him out, basically becomes the leader at that time. Then they had a match in October at Extreme Rules. Then they had a tag match with Edge's wife at the Elimination Chamber. So this has been built really well. I haven't been bored yet, but I think this is the final stage. It doesn't get any bigger than Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. Edge's matches since his return have been kind of a roller coaster. He's had some epic matches, and he's had some eh 
could have went without that type of matches. Nothing horrible. Um, you could tell he definitely puts everything into these matches because they've all been really long. That's kind of what they all have in common. This match doesn't need to be too long. Give me 15 minutes of fast-paced, hard-hitting action, a couple hard, uh, high spots, some, some interactions with the cage, um, just some vicious stuff, some weapons, some tables. Hopefully we get like a brood-like entrance from Edge. We're obviously going to get the demon entrance from Valor. But we don't need a brood character. I've seen people saying we need the brood Edge. Uh, brood Edge wasn't anything more than a sidekick, if you remember correctly. The most violent Edge was always the rated R superstar. That's a fact. The demon entrance will be nuts. Um, and the demon needs to go over here. The demon needs to win. And then both guys can move on to something else. Up next, we have Omos versus Brock Lesnar. This is a match that people thought was a joke when it got announced. It's taking place, folks. This is a match built for the casuals, though. The more I think about it, this isn't for the hardcores. This is big, meaty men slapping meat. This is the type of thing people will see on their screen and say, whoa, who are these two behemoths? Seven foot tall, 410 pound Omos going against the beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar. This will turn heads. This won't go long. This could get bowling shoe ugly. But it will be physical. It will be a spectacle. Almost has been getting the best of Brock for the past few weeks. It seems like it's all to set up a massive F5. That visual will be insane. Brock Lesnar with a guy that big on his shoulders. Yes, he's f 5 the big show and stuff before. But it's been a while since we've seen a guy this big get in the ring with Brock Lesnar. Unless this is Brock's very last match of his career. Because there's rumors that his contract is up. If this is his last match, you put almost over. Almost is, almost is still young. He's 25 years old, I believe. He's only getting better. He could be older than that, but I believe he is pretty young. He's only getting better. Still needs some work, of course. But smart money is on Brock Lesnar. Expect Brock Lesnar to win. Again, like I said, that F5 is going to be what everyone's talking about. And then last, you have the women's showcase match. Much like the men's, just a bunch of tag teams thrown in together to get them on the card. Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia and Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. Like Stephen A. Smith would say, I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. I love Liv Morgan and I enjoy Chelsea Green's character, but this has bathroom break written all over it. Sorry, just don't care about it. They haven't put any effort into building this match. If they don't care, I definitely don't care. But that wraps up the WrestleMania matches. It's long. It's two nights. But it's going to be fun. It's WrestleMania. There's going to be some surprises, I'm sure. There's going to be some swerves. Some things we didn't expect. But overall, it's WrestleMania. I'm going to enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, and before I go, I forgot to give an actual prediction for the Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio match. I'm going with Dominic Mysterio. I expect Dom to continue this heel run, and what a better way than to beat your dad, who's loved by everyone, at WrestleMania. The whole crowd will be booing Dominic out of the building. Enjoy the weekend. Tons of wrestling this weekend. Like I said before, New Japan and Impact teaming up for an event. You have Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, which is a fantastic card from top to bottom. And then, of course, you have AEW Rampage, which is every Friday night. And, of course, SmackDown on Friday night. 
followed by the Hall of Fame induction. But Saturday and Sunday, it's all about WrestleMania 39. That's all I got for you guys. Again, boxing fans, tune in. I will have the Anthony Joshua versus Jermaine Franklin episode out tomorrow. If you haven't, go back and check out the Caleb Plant versus David Benavidez recap. And keep tuning in because every single week, I will be breaking down the best fights in the sport of boxing and some special events from the world of professional wrestling. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Give me that five-star review because like Booker T said, it's all about the five. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it.